Welcome to Centerpoint Church, where we're all about loving and leading people to a life-changing connection with Christ. We're so excited that you decided to join us today, and we believe that no matter where you're listening from, this message will enhance your connection with Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey, good to see everyone today, and welcome to Centerpoint Church. I'm so glad you're here. Yes, let's celebrate God's goodness. God, you're good. If you're new with us, I'm John. I'm lead pastor here. I'm glad you came. And uh, I do hope you'll stop by the blue tables after service so we can get acquainted. So uh, how many of you saw the movie Encanto sometime over the last... Uh, okay, yeah. So the movie Encanto, man, I, I thought it was really good. It was like the, one of the big hit movies over the Christmas break. And uh, it's this uh, musical on the big screen, basically. And it, it, it tells the story of this, the Madrigal family uh, down in, in a village in Colombia somewhere, and, and they've got this magical house, and, and the house is full of magic, and then the people that live in the house get all these special abilities, and they use their special abilities, and it becomes like this blessing, this resource to the whole entire village, and it's this great story, uh, and, and the thing is, though, uh, there's this one song in the middle of the movie and it became like a billboard uh, top of the chart song. And it's the movie uh, hit uh, that goes, we don't talk about Bruno, no, no, no. We don't. Thank you, brother. At least one man had the guts to not leave me hanging. That's all. It's just fun to sing it with me. We don't talk about Bruno, no, no, no. We don't talk about Bruno. I think they're going to be singing that in high school musicals like for years. It's like the new Frozen. Anyway, so, so it's about the fact that, that there's this, of all the family members, there's this one guy named Bruno. Bruno's the guy with the green shirt, and he's kind of embarrassing and awkward, and they th feel shady about him, cynical about him, and, and he did some things, he said some things, he stirred up some trouble, whatever, whatever. All they know is, we don't talk about Bruno, like they just don't want to go there. And uh, I, what I saw, though, in this movie is that this Madrigal family's magic house, uh, it begins to, to fall apart, and the magic starts to go away. I mean, that's kind of the thing in the movie. And it happens because they won't talk about Bruno. And it's only after they finally talk about Bruno and deal with the Bruno factor that the magic comes back and the house comes back alive. And then all the people are able to use their special abilities in the house. And it becomes, again, this great blessing and resource to all of the village there in the hills of Columbia somewhere. Anyway, it's a good movie. I enjoyed it. But what I was thinking is this. When it, when it comes to, to the reality of, of, of money... Our response is a little bit similar. It's, we don't talk about money, no, no, no. And especially at church, it's, we don't want you to talk about money, preacher, no. Right? And, and we kind of don't want to hear about it. We don't want to get, you know, hear about debt. We don't want to hear about giving. We don't want to hear about you know, budget. Please don't tell Bruno he's got to get on a budget. Like, none of that. But what we recognize, though, is that, is that God's word has wisdom and insight for us. And I just want to ask you to be open to the conversation. Like, I, I want to ask you to be willing to talk about Bruno. We need to talk about Bruno. Yes. And so let me ask you this question. Uh, by a show of hands, 
Uh, do you want to be blessed? Anybody, just raise your hand if you would say, I would like to be blessed. Just generally speaking, I would like to be blessed. Type it online if you're with us online. I want to be blessed. Keep your hand up. Don't you want to be blessed? I want to be blessed. Say, I want to be blessed. Yeah, don't be ashamed about it. I want to be blessed. I want all of the goodness of God to come into my life so that there would be more joy, that I would even have circumstances that would be in my favor. I would experience some happiness. I do want to be blessed. It's a good thing to want, right? Point yourself in that direction. But, but here's the thing. You can put your hands down now. Jesus one time was in a conversation with somebody, and, and they were so uh, impressed with Jesus, and somebody, this woman shouted at, oh, your mom is so blessed to have a son like you, basically, something like that. And it says in Luke 11, uh, 28, that Jesus responded, and, and it said, he replied, no, blessed, rather, are those who hear the words of God and obey it. Blessed, rather, are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Blessed, rather, are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Say it with me. Blessed, rather, are those who hear the word of God and obey it. So we, most of us anyway, raised our hand and said, yeah, you got me. I want to be blessed. Good. And so Jesus comes along and says, right, then, that's a good desire. You want to be blessed and hear the word of God and obey it. And don't let there be one category where you go, no, but not about that. We don't talk about money. No, no. we want to let the blessing of God flow into our life in whatever category, including uh, this one regarding money. With money, there's basically uh, four, four things that we do with it. We, 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 we want to get some. We want to spend some. We're probably going to borrow some. And we're probably going to give some. I mean, those are the four general interactions that we have with money. And I want to talk about uh, those four things in this series, because we're, we're doing this series called A Work in Progress, and we're acknowledging together we all have room to grow. Yeah. And for probably most of us, there's room to grow also in this area regarding finances. Amen. And I want us to unfold the Word of God and hear from God's heart ways that we can make progress. And so this is what I'm going to share in this message, four moves you can make uh, to make some progress with regard to money in your life. And my guess is that, that for some of us, uh, there, there, there's need to move in all four of them. And for some of us, it's going to be one or two of them that we need to mostly focus in on. And so I'm going to just dive right in uh, with the get some part of the equation. Everybody say get some. When you're going to talk about money, you got to start right there. I need to get some. I need to get some. And, and I, I want to begin uh, with, with this decision that I, I'm going to choose to improve my earning. I improve my earning. If I'm going to be a work in progress with regard to money, then I improve my earning. Why don't you say that with me? I improve my earning. I improve my earning. This dynamic with money for many of us starts with getting some, and the getting some probably has a history. Like for me personally, I, I, I counted it out. I've had 27 different jobs in my life. 27 different ways in which uh, I have presented myself to make something happen, and then I was able to earn money as a result. And that's part of the equation you see in Scripture, too. You don't see uh, so often in Scripture that money just drops out of the sky. For most any of us, if we're going to improve our earning, it's going to become uh, a reality to the degree that we're willing to bring ourselves to whatever is before us and bring, uh, bring something to it. I improve my earning through the work I'm doing. Proverbs 13, 11 says, wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears. Wealth from 
Hard work grows over time. Say the last part of that out loud with me. Ready? Wealth from hard work grows over time. Hard work. Like that's something, the, the word of God expresses the heart of God. And the heart of God is that of a father who looks at sons and daughters and recognizes she's powerful. He's strong. She's able. He's competent. She's skilled. He's gifted. And I, I, as a father, I want to see all of that capacity being used to make something happen, to do something meaningful. And hard work is the term uh, that expresses what that's like. Hard work. Everybody say hard work. Hard work. That's something that God blesses. Uh, a while back, Anna and I were uh, celebrating our anniversary, and we went and spent the night over in Newport at a fancy hotel on the water. And uh, in the morning, I got up early, and this hotel was on, you know, kind of near the marina. And I walked out early in the morning, and I was by myself just admiring, looking at all these big fancy boats. And there were a couple of them that were mega yachts, like the kind that probably cost, I don't know, $100 million or whatever. And I'm looking at this mega yacht, and all of a sudden, I was instantly transported into mental fantasy land. <laughs> and I'm staring at this mega yacht, and in men mental fantasy land, this, this dude comes walking out. He's wearing a cowboy hat. He says... So you like my boat, huh? I'm going to give it to you. I'll get, I got five more. I won't even miss it. I'll sign the deed right now. Here, I'm giving you my boat. And all of a sudden, we were having center point volunteer parties on the yacht. And, and I, I, I'm like living in this yacht. I'm renting it out just like three weeks a year to make hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I'm in this mental fantasy land like that, right? And, and I had to literally like slap myself, like stop it, stop it, because I know what God's word says. And it's this, Proverbs 12, 11, it says, those who work their land will have abundant food. But those who say it, Chase fantasies. Wow. Have no sense. <laughs> yeah. Caught. Right? But I'm probably not the only one. Sometimes it's, it's not wrong to daydream. But we just got to recognize that really what God blesses is, is not the chasing of fantasies, but the willingness uh, to do the hard work. If we're going to say, all right, I'm going to work in progress, and that includes my finances, and I'm going to improve my earning. I've come to recognize something. That if I'm going to improve my earning, I need to increase the value that I'm bringing to whatever enterprise I'm involved with. I remember being, uh, my, one of my first jobs was, uh, I think I was in fifth grade, and this guy put a flyer on a telephone pole in my neighborhood to, to, to become a paper boy. And, and he met with me and three other kids in the neighborhood to sell us on being a paper boy. And so we met him at Al John's Pizza, and he told us about how we could get a paper route and how many papers we'd have and how it worked. And I signed up. The other guys didn't. But I'm like, I'm going to do this. And, I, and then it happened. And a stack of papers like this would be dropped off on my driveway. And, and, and this is New Jersey. It'd be 25 degrees and snowing. Doesn't matter. I got to take those, got to fold those papers, put them in bags, put the bags in my basket on my bicycle, ride through my neighborhood in the rain and the snow, checking papers on driveways. And some of you are going, what is a newspaper? Right. But, but it was a thing. I can't wait to tell my grandkids one day, well, when I was a kid, <laughs> I had a paper route. Anyway, I did my paper route. And, and as a result, I, I earned money. But what I also remember is that that guy who sold me on being a paper boy explained to us, this is how much money you're going to make. You want to make more? Then here's how you do it. You go knock on doors in that neighborhood. You ask them if they want to get the paper. Sign them up. You'll make more money. 
Guess what I did? Knock, knock, knock. Hello. Would you like to get the paper delivered to your house? You can't say no to me. <laughs> and what I did was I increased the value I was bringing to the enterprise that I was a part of by my willingness to do the work, to show up, to exert the effort. And as a result, it allowed me to improve my earning. And I know this is basic for a lot of us, but I want to just make sure that we get it in our minds that this is a biblical, God-honoring way to approach our lives, to, to say, what can I do to increase the value that I'm bringing to whatever I'm a part of? Some of you, it's your own business. Others of you, it's somebody else's organization. But instead of just mailing it in, instead of just, uh, just coasting on fumes right through to the moment you decide not to be a part of that anymore, what can you do to increase the value that you bring to that business to that organization, to this operation, to that role, to that station. What could you do? As I believe that God blesses that. Are you going to talk about getting some? Talk about, talk about exerting some effort to get there. Ultimately, the goal is, the goal is wealth. The goal is actually to be able to have wealth. Yeah, the goal is to have wealth. It is an appropriate goal. And I want you to understand this from a biblical perspective. Because I read the Bible, right? And I'm confronted pretty early on with the likes of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, King David, Solomon, and on and on it goes. All of these fully wealthy and because of being able to, to carry that wealth, able to establish, able to build, able to make something happen. And so I see in the scriptures, God's heart is to set an, a, a goal, set a standard, which is to move towards the capacity to be able to handle wealth. And I know that for some people that sounds a little off. We're going, wait, wait a minute. I'm, I'm, aren't I just supposed to try to be poor? Why would you come to that conclusion if you read the Bible? And I'll show you a few things why that's incredibly important. Like, for example, uh, I, want, I want to move towards having wealth because 1 Timothy 5.8 says that if someone doesn't provide for the needs of their whole family, and especially their immediate family, they're worse than an unbeliever and have denied the faith. Yeah. That's the Bible. And so whole family and immediate family is going to take some wealth to provide there. Like for me, I mean, I got a couple of kids going into college, another one, third one that's going to go to college and need weddings and, and help with all of that stuff. How am I going to do that if I haven't attained some measure of wealth? God's word calls me to that. Not only that, but in, uh, in, in Proverbs, uh, it says that I should, in 1322, that a, a righteous person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. That's the Bible. How are you going to do that without attaining and maintaining some degree of wealth? And so simply to do what the Bible says, I need to be willing to move in the direction where I could attain some measure of wealth. And it isn't wrong to do it. In fact, it's part of a righteous life. I've, I've known some, though, that have said, no, I'm afraid. I'm afraid that if I, if I got money, I would just give in to the greed of it all then I would say and push back and say, well, why don't you increase your faith? 
to believe that God could preserve in you a righteousness that would be able to sustain even when you have more, knowing that you've been given more so that more can flow through you. This is a different mindset, but it's the one that I believe some of us need to embrace. I improve my earning. That's where it begins. I improve my earning. But I can't just stop there. I'm going to have something, and then I'm going to spend something. So I, I, pl I plan my spending. That's number two. I plan my spending. Why don't you say that with me? Say it. I plan my spending. I, I know that this sounds so basic, right? But for some of us, we just need to hear this. It's what I do to be a work in progress and actually make the progress. I need to plan my spending. When you plan your spending, what you're doing is you are taking authority over a realm which you have been given. That's stewardship. When you plan your spending, you are telling your money where to go. If you don't talk to your money and tell it where to go, it's going to talk to you. You know what it's going to say? Bye. <laughs> and so it's time to do this, to plan your spending so that there's intentionality around what you do with the money that you have. 1 Timothy uh, 6, 17. Let's go there for just a second. 1 Timothy 6, 17 uh, and 18. It said, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud, not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Unre their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. Okay, a couple of notes about this. First of all, it doesn't say, tell those rich people it's so wrong that they got that much money. It doesn't say that. I just want us to be on the same page about that. But it, it is a, a different mindset about what to do with rich or, or wealth when it comes. And to embrace that. And it says, tell them to do good with their money. To do good with your money, you're going to have to have a plan for it. So that you're intentional. So that you are spending it on purpose. I plan my spending. Pro Proverbs 21.5 says this. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Good planning. Proverbs 25, 28, it says, a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. And you need to be able to exercise the fruit of the Holy Spirit of self-control in the realm of what you do with your spending. Yeah. Okay, so in, in my family, a number of years ago, we shifted our language. Because we used to have difficult conversations around, okay, we need to get back on a budget. Even the mere word of budget, and we were irritated with each other, right? I mean, we just, I mean, I mean, just everyone say the word budget. Say it. It makes you feel irritated. It's like feels grumpy. It's a grumpy sounding word even, budget, right? But now say this, spending plan. Didn't that feel different to say it? Say it, spending plan. <laughs> like budget feels like what you don't get to do. And then spending plan <laughs> sounds wonderful. Like, uh, yeah, I'm going to spend the money, but I'm going to have a plan for how I do it. It's not going to be haphazard, and it's not going to just be, uh, you know, however it works out. Uh, we, we shifted to a spending plan a number of years ago using a tool called Every Dollar. 
I don't really care what tool you use, but use one. We combined every dollar and then an old school spreadsheet on Excel. And between those two things, we simply made our categories and said, this is it. And we're keeping those amounts in those categories. If you haven't done this, please do it. And if you're wondering, well, how do you do all that? Here's what I would ask you to do. Come to our Financial Peace University class. I mean, it's going to start in, a, in just a couple of weeks. And for, for two months, you'll sit together with a bunch of other people going, man, we've really got to do something for real with regard to our finances. You can't get it in a 25-minute sermon altogether. But over a couple months, you could. Just get on our website and sign up for financial peace. But, but this, is, this is incredibly important because if we don't have a spending plan, we're going to have a tug-of-war with a toddler. Here's what I mean. You ever see a, like a mom with a little toddler like at the aisle at Target and the, the kid is like reaching out for a candy bar and the mom's going, no, you can't have that. And the kid's going, but I want it. And the mom's going, you can't have it right now. But I want it. And she said, you can get that later. You can have it later. And then the kid says, but I want it now, right? And that little toddler is probably going to win because she, she's just exhausted, right? But guess what? That little toddler is not just at the aisle in Target. That little toddler is right here, too, <laughs> right inside of me. It's right there, right? Like, for example, this, uh, this past week, no, I kid you not, I was, at the, I was at Home Depot, and all of a sudden, I'm there to get some light bulbs, but I turn over this way, and, and now I'm staring down this $900 smoker, <laughs> and it's calling my name. It's whispering to me. It's saying, you need me. <laughs> and you know what? It was on sale. And all of a sudden, I'm just doing the math. I'm like, oh, yeah, we've got a pretty good rate on a credit card. And I, I know, how many months? A number of months, and we could probably pay this down. And yeah, But then this little thing kicked in. In our family, we have a, a pray before you pay policy. And, and we really do. And, and we have three distinct thresholds. And the first one is, for where we are in our lives right now, this is what works for us. It's different for you, but for us. If it's less than $100 between husband and wife, like, no, no question. You can do that. If you need to buy that thing and it's less than $100, go ahead. Uh, okay, we're, we're in that place in our life. Where that's okay. But if it's, if it's more than $100, walk away and pray for one day and ask two questions. Do I really have to have it? And do I have the cash to pay for it? If I do, here I am, sir. Give me that frying pan, <laughs> that $150 frying pan. <laughs> You've seen that one. It's like weird colors. And yeah, so anyway, the, the second threshold is $500. If it's less than $500, walk away for a week, one week. Do I really have to have it? Do I have the cash to pay for it? Yes and yes? Okay, we can do that. The third threshold is $1,000. If it's less than $1,000, or, or sorry, more than $1,000, walk away for a week. Pray. Ask the two questions. Do I have to have it? And do I have the cash to pay for it? And if the answer is yes, then proceed. This pay before you pray is something that any of us can begin to put in place. You just need to decide what are my thresholds. And that's relative to, to your earning and your station in life. But... Uh, however you're going to do it, I want to urge you to, and because this truth is, is from God's word. Proverbs 23, verse 5, it says, in the blink of an eye, wealth disappears. It'll sprout wings and fly away like an eagle. <laughs> you know where it flies away to? It flies away to payment plans. It flies away to no interest for one year. <laughs> it, it, it flies away to... Uh, to 21.9% credit card 
debt rates. You know what I'm saying? And, and so we do need to be able to acknowledge that. And the third part of the, uh, of the message on, on money today, a move you can make with regard to money, to make some progress, is I pay down my borrowing. I pay down my borrowing. I pay down my borrowing. I, I pay off my borrowing. Uh, you got to make a plan to deal with your debt. Because if you don't, it, it, you'll become a slave to it. I mean, that's the, the teaching of God's word. Proverbs 22, 7 says, just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is a servant to the lender. I'll put the, the, the category of debt in, in, in two, two different categories. One is consumer debt. It's the stuff with a high interest payment plan. It's the credit card debt that's charging you 17, 18, 21, whatever percent that consumer debt is what I'm talking about here. I maybe have a little bit different mindset than some, which would, which would be this. I believe that uh, it makes, for a lot of us, good financial sense to get a mortgage and purchase a home because uh, otherwise I'm going to be just giving my rent money to someone else so that they can build their equity. And, and, and so that's a little differentiation between different forms of debt, but the consumer debt, I pay, pay, pay it down. I pay off my borrowing. And let me share with you from a personal level. When Ann and I first get, got married, as two young people just coming together, uh, right before we got married, we had a, a, a big conversation about our finances. And when we put it all together, we both realized that uh, we both had a bunch of credit card debt, and we put it on the table. And we, between the two of us, we had almost $35,000 worth of debt. And this was 20 years ago. And we were a couple of young kids with nothing, you know? And it, this was like, how are we going to do that? But we just, we did it. And I'll tell you how we did it. We hunkered down. And we sold stuff on eBay. We stopped going out to eat. We didn't do, you know, fancy clothes. We shopped secondhand for a lot of stuff and drove old beater cars for a long time. And that mountain got moved. And I'm sharing that as a testimony because somebody right now, you are living under the weight of the debt issue and you're afraid and you don't know if there's ever going to be any relief from you. I'm just telling you, uh, yes, there can be relief from you. There's hope. You can do it. You can do it. Grab hold of the testimony I just shared and say, if he can do it, we can do it too. And there's a way. There's a way. Go to FPU. You'll, you'll, you'll get some progress. But we, this happened, I wish I could tell you, it was only oh, 20 years ago. It's happened to us again around five years ago. We've got a bunch of medical stuff going on in the family and, and, and some car stuff. And before we know it, boom, there we are staring at another mountain. But my Jesus tells me that by faith I can move mountains. And the mountain of debt is one of those that can be, that can be moved. But you've got to have a resolve inside of you to say, we're doing it. We're moving that mountain. We're not going to just live under the shadow of it for our whole entire lives. And so what do you need to do? Uh, to pay off the borrowing. Do it. Don't stay enslaved. But the fourth category where you can make a move to see some progress in your life with regard to money is giving. I prioritize my giving. I prioritize my giving. Would you say that with me? I prioritize my giving. It's not an afterthought. It's not leftovers that I bring and go, oh, I have a crumpled up five spot in my pocket. I guess I'll throw that in the offering. Oh, yeah, we don't even pass a bucket anymore. <laughs> I'll just keep my phone in my pocket. How about that? No, I prioritize my giving. I decide this comes first. This matters to me. And I'm not going to have it be an afterthought. And, and some of us, we hear about giving, and this is the part where our skin starts to crawl. We start going, oh, my gosh, here it is. Church just wants my money. Look, the offering moment has already happened. There's no pressure. This is just teaching. 
And it's an opportunity for you to discover some things that God's word says and to evaluate for yourself whether you would want to step into living out the words of God. Remember, we started with Jesus' words. Blessed, rather, as the person who hears the word of God and obeys it. So so there's that. But, But I want you to just step back a little. And you think about your life. I think about the 27 different jobs I've had. And each and every one of them, I can see how it was God who opened a door. It was God who gave me the ability to learn it quickly. It was God who allowed me to uh, have favor to, uh, to close deals. It was God who allowed me to, uh, to, to, to do that work and stay on my feet and figure out how to do ladders and sprayers and hire some people. It was God who gave me the favor to be able to step into another country and work in a place where I didn't even know the language. It was God. All the while, it was God who did that. And this is what the scripture says in, in regards to a, a context calling God's people to give. It says, and here's why, Deuteronomy 8.18. It says, remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. It's God who gives you the abilities that you have to produce wealth. You think it's just your own magnetic charm that causes people to do that deal with you? No, you got a, a father who's anointing on your life is causing there to be a connection in the spiritual realm that nobody can even see. Yeah. You, your, your favor to be promoted as you have been, it's not just because of how clever you are. Wow. It's because you have a, a, a father who's put his spirit in you and the wisdom that's in you is yeah. evident to everybody yeah. and it comes from the Lord, <laughs> And and so God calls us to a recognition of this. And part of how we give recognition to that is through our financial giving. We give give our tithes and offerings. We have an opportunity to do that every single week uh, in in our church. And we we do it because we want to see our church mission thrive. But we also do it because we understand who our God is, the source of absolutely everything. And we want to honor him. And we recognize that there is a spiritual principle that we get to live out. And it's the spiritual principle of sowing and reaping. And the Bible speaks about sowing and reaping as an eternal spiritual law that governs this world that we live in. And this is an area for some of us to grow because we... We don't live in an agricultural society, so we don't go around thinking about it like this all that often. But in some parts of the world, even to this day, uh, planting of seed happens not by just some big old tractor, but by somebody literally taking their seed and casting it out. And you can see in this picture, all of these seeds represent capacity, represent uh, future, represent uh, power. But they aren't going to do anything if they're just held in the hand. It, close up in, into this picture, you can see each one of these seeds is, is something that can produce something. But it has to be released in order for that to happen. If it's hoarded in the grasp, it will never grow. It's as it's released that the growing happens. And so... We, we step back into our own personal world, and God's saying, yeah, so, so I've given you lots of seed. What are you going to do with it? And what we find is that part of what we're invited to do with it is to sow into the work of God in this world. And, and it says it like this in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 and 8. It says, remember, whoever sows sparingly will also reap 
sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly. Actually, read verse 8 out loud with me. Ready? Go. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. We love verse 8. Come on. God is able to bless me abundantly. Uh, we love verse 8, but if we want to see verse 8 reality in our lives, we're going to have to step into verse 6, walking it out in our lives, and, and to learn what it would be to sow generously. And to sow generously uh, looks like saying, this comes first. Recognizing the opportunity to see a mission of Jesus thrive that I'm a part of, man, that comes first. And as I'm blessed and given abundance, given seed, I'm sowing into the things of God. One of the reasons why is simply because of how it affects our own hearts. In Deuteronomy 14.23, it says this. It says, the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your lives. I mean, because when you do the math, when you literally look at your income and your earning and go, man, I've worked hard, but I get it. God's the one who gave me the strength and the favor. But uh, moving the decimal to 10%, I mean, that's literally what tithing is. You start thinking long and hard about that. And when you put that first, it's a decision to say, I'm going to re release that which reflects effort, energy, investment, value. That's what money is. It's, a, it's an instrument for the conveyance of value. And that which I have that conveys value, I'm putting it first at the feet of my, my Lord. That, that makes my heart line up in a different kind of way. To say, God, you're really first in my life. I'm not just doing lip service here. You're really first in my life. Because the effort and energy and value and worth, I'm conveying it to you, to your feet. It's a beautiful thing when we learn to do this. I want to invite you to do it. And I want to invite you to be practical about it. And so we, we do the give boxes by the door, and maybe in the future, you can come prepared if you like to give old school and bring your offering and put it in the, in the box by the door. Or you could do what a lot of us do, which is to say, on my phone, I'm going to set it up to automatically uh, come first uh, from, from me. And then in the service, when we have our time where we're receiving the offering, you know I've already given automatically, but now's my time to consecrate it as I pray. But let's do that. Let's be people who, who say, God, you're first. All right, so wrapping this up, we're praying, God help me in four particular things. First of all, God help me improve my earning. Say it with me. God help me improve my earning. And number two, God help me plan my spending. Pray it with me. God help me plan my spending. And number three, say it with me. God, help me pay off my borrowing. Say it. God, help me pay off my borrowing. And then number four, God, help me prioritize my giving. Say it. God, help me prioritize my giving. Okay, so Encanto, the, the movie, right? The Madrigal's house. It was magical what was happening there. It was awesome and mysterious and powerful, and, and, and everybody got to discover and use their special abilities in this house. 
Only so long, though, as they talked about Bruno. But once they talked about Bruno, it was settled. That house was a place where people's special abilities could be activated and unlocked and used. And then that house was a resource for that whole entire village. And isn't that a wonderful thing for that imaginary, fictional place? (laughs) But this is not a fictional place. This house is for real. And it's once we talk about Bruno, so to speak, and aren't embarrassed about Bruno, and are just matter of fact about Bruno, we're not pressured up about Bruno. It's a thing. We can talk about it. We can talk about, we can talk about Bruno. <laughs> it doesn't work with whatever they're playing right now. But <laughs> oh. I want to just make sure that somebody hears this right now. Everything I've talked about today is totally secondary, really. This message today is what I would would categorize as a life wisdom message for people who are already just basically walking with the Lord, walking with God. But I want somebody to hear this right now. What comes first is just simply knowing Jesus. And we're talking right now a little bit about giving. It was only one-fourth of the message. Wasn't too hard on anybody. We're talking about giving, but let's just rewind the tape and make sure we got the record straight that it's a response to the one who first gave to us. And it's the the father who said, you know, I've given my one and only son. John 3.16. This is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son. So that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And for somebody right now, I want you to set aside almost everything that you've heard in the first part of this message. And just hear me on this. That God's desire is for you to know and believe in his one and only son that he gave to you. So that you could be forgiven and fully saved. And so I'm going to pray right now and ask God to help us with everything regarding finances, but also I'm going to pray that for somebody, this would be a moment of spiritual awakening. Would you pray with me? Let's just pray together. God, I thank you that there's nothing off limits in your word and that uh, this thing called money that affects all of us so much uh, is one of the things you speak into. And so God, I pray that right now you would help us. I pray that you would help for some of us, help us with with the earning, to improve our earning. Show us ways that we can bring more value to what we're a part of. God, I pray that you would speak by your Holy Spirit even right now to how we can take some steps that would improve our earning. And for somebody right now, it's as though God is saying, yes, that, that thing that, that it's a side hustle that you've been holding off on, it's time. Go. Don't quit your day job quite yet, but begin. Like somebody, you just need to hear that, like permission from your father. Like, should I really? Like for somebody, God's saying, yes, improve my earning. God, help me to, uh, to plan my spending. Lord, I pray for a, a Holy Spirit infusion of wisdom for some of us and courage even to have the, the conversations around planning our spending so we don't just waste it all. God, I pray that you'd help us to have a new uh, measure of self-control on that spending. Please, Lord. And I pray, Father, for others of us that are looking at a mountain of, of debt, God, would you empower us to pay down the borrowing, to pay off the borrowing, 
Lord, I pray that you would show us how. Show us ways that we can get after it for real and get free. And God, I pray that you would also give us a heart to prioritize our giving. And I pray, Father, in particular for uh, some of us that we've never given, really, in, in, in our church before. God, I pray that you'd give us a desire to do it and that we would take a step to do so and you'd show us your favor and blessing as we do. And Lord, I also pray for a spiritual awakening for somebody. I'm praying for you today. If you are here and, and everything that you just heard, doesn't, it doesn't sound like it was for you, but, but you just know you're wandering around with a cloud of guilt over your life. And you, you can't shake it. You can't seem to get free of it. And I want you to know that there's a way for you to be free, and it's through Jesus Christ. It's through asking him to forgive your sins and save you. And if you've never asked him to forgive your sin and save your life, ask him right now. It begins with a simple moment of saying, Jesus, I believe in you. Would you forgive me and save me? And as we're praying together right now, if you are in this moment thinking, I need to do that. I need to once and for all ask Jesus to forgive me and save me. I want to know that I'm right with God. Right now, would you just raise your hand with me as a way of saying, that's me. I want to do that. I want to ask Jesus to forgive my sin and save my life. That's what I'm really here for. I want you to just raise your hand up and keep it up for a moment. And with your hand raised, I want you to pray with me and simply say, Jesus, I believe in you. I give my life to you. I believe you died on the cross to pay the price for my sins. And I believe you're alive. So would you come into my life and be Lord? I'm yours, Jesus. I'm yours. I'm all yours, Jesus. Thank you for the gift of salvation. I receive it right now. Jesus Christ, I'm yours. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Okay, why don't you stand to your feet, church? And as you stand, let's offer God our hearts and declare our trust in Him. Let's worship Him.